Hey, Scene Vault listeners, are you a NASCAR collector? Well, we've got two great magazines for you. First up, we've got the 75 Greatest Drivers. Last season, NASCAR added 25 drivers to its Greatest Drivers list to celebrate their diamond anniversary, and we partnered with them to help tell their legendary tales. This 116-page magazine is packed with the stories that made each of these drivers the greatest we have ever seen. Printed in full color on glossy paper and delivered to fans inside a poly bag to protect its contents, this magazine will sit on the coffee tables of NASCAR fans for years to come. There are also several different covers to collect, including unique designs for Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, and more. We've also got a few remaining copies of the 75th Anniversary Magazine, featuring hundreds of pages of photos, profiles, iconic stories, and much, much more covering every single year of NASCAR. Both of these are shipping in high-quality poly bags to protect your collector's item. Get yours today at dailydownforce.com shop. That's dailydownforce.com shop. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at polepositionmag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey, y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's so, the first deal they built, I bet? No, no. You know, you, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had yeah. worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this, this souped-up car, and he, he complained that the government gave him these piece-of-crap, cheapo cars and that, that were really no match, but he thought he was doing pretty good. And then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappeared. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And it, it, as he said, it was a game of chicken and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy still when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. <laughs> So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to the Scene Vault Podcast, your source for all things NASCAR history. I was taking a sweatshirt off or something, and I felt this little bump. Didn't really think anything of it. Well, yeah, we found something. So, from that point, like, you just only hear, like, Charlie Brown. You don't hear anything else. 
I would have went through treatment a million more times to not see him have to go through that. The day NASCAR and all of us associated in any way with NASCAR forget its past, that's the day we don't have any future. Hello, everyone. I'm Steve Wade. And my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to the Scene Vault Podcast. Steve, you and I have talked quite a bit about how we should go about putting this episode together. And I really felt like the most appropriate way to do it would be to allow Shauna Robinson to tell her cancer story and then to share how cancer has impacted our lives because cancer has been a part of your life. It's been a part of my life. And I just wanted to figure out a way to do that appropriately. And to be honest with you, it just didn't seem like it would be right to talk about such a serious subject in one segment and then move immediately into another where we typically laugh and cut up and joke and give each other a hard time. Like we typically do. Like you give me a hard time, like you typically do. (laughs) (laughs) So in honor of Shauna and so many other people who are currently fighting the battle or who have fought that battle in the past and in memory of so many people that we have lost to that God forsaken disease. We're not going to do our normal scene issue of the week segment this week. I just felt like it would be important to focus on Shauna's story and then to tell our story and let that be that. Well, Rick, I, th- I agree there hundred percent. I think that's a very good idea. Uh, when it comes to talking about cancer, Rick, you really don't feel in the mood to have a good time. You know what I mean? And Honestly, I got something out of Shauna's story because she fought that. I mean, she fought that battle as hard as anybody ever has. And today is doing well. She overcame that. And I think that's incredibly inspirational. So I hope people take something away from that. Well, Shauna was incredibly courageous in this battle, as all people need to be when they're fighting cancer. And to beat cancer is quite an accomplishment and worthy of the highest praise. Steve, this week we do have new Patreon support from Jason Leonard, and we also had PayPal help from Andrew Babbitt and somebody who went by the initials BRDTR. Now, I know who TR is. You know, that's Tom Roberts, TRPR, who is a longtime PR rep for Alan Kowicki, Rusty Wallace, but I don't know that that's the TRPR that you and I both love and adore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. What was What were those initials again? B-R-D-T-R? Yes, sir. B-R-D-T-R. Boy, I don't know. Let's see. If it had been B-D-R, it might have been Bill Davis Racing. But let's just say that I'm pretty doggone sure that ain't it either. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) So BRDTR and Andrew, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your encouragement. You have no idea what it means. So listeners, if you can, please support us on Patreon, support us on PayPal. If you can support us on a monthly basis, you can do that via patreon.com slash the same vault podcast. Or if you would prefer just to do a one-time show of support, you can do that via paypal.me slash the same vault podcast. And also as a reminder, this podcast is not associated in any way with American city business journals, owner of the same brand. This is just me and you. We're the ones doing this podcast and we are not associated with ACBJ in any way, shape, form or fashion, other than the fact that we both worked there once upon a time. And just leave it at that, Rick. <laughs> So Shauna, 2014, you were diagnosed with breast cancer. How were you first diagnosed and how long were you in treatment? Um, I was first diagnosed. I had made an appointment with my doctor, gynecologist, because I was feeling so imbalanced, like hormonally. It was like, why, why am I crying all the time? And why am I just something's not right? So I was just going, had the appointment. 
that night before I was taking a sweatshirt off or something and I felt this little bump. Didn't really think anything of it. I really didn't. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. So I told my friend, and she's like, well, just make sure you tell her about it when you go. Make sure you bring it up. So, I mean, I go into the doctor's office, and I wasn't even thinking about the bump, about that. I was thinking more about what is, why am I so, and I think six months to a year before, they had put me on uh, a hormone pill. And I, I truly feel like that's probably what caused it. And now they, women, they, don't, they make different types now that aren't um, that type. But I had said, so she's checking me out and everything, like, I'm crying. I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. There's not even any reason to be crying. I just don't know why. I'm just Something's not right. We need to adjust something. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, I found this little bump here. Oh, wow. So she feels it, and she said, well, let's just go ahead and get that checked out. So she set up a, a diagnostic mammogram right away, like that day. Yeah. And so I went to get it, and then um, I had to wait a day. Then they called me back to come in, and my mother-in-law, Sue, who well, Jeff and I were divorced, but Sue, the Clark family, we were very, very close. And so Sue went with me, and they put me in this little room, the conference thing, and then the doctor comes in with the papers, and there was another girl there, a uh, nurse, and they said, um, well, yeah, we found something. And it's a basically late stage two, early stage three. It's traveled from your breast to your lymph nodes, so we consider that more of a stage three. Um, so here we are. And then I'll hear, womp, 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 womp. It's, People tell you this all the time, but from that point, like, you just only hear, like, Charlie Brown. You don't hear anything else. And that's why Sue, my mother-in-law, went with me because she recorded it because she had an idea. Like, they don't call you back in like that if there's not a reason why. So that was like, you know, you leave there with the book that's about this thick that basically you go through and they, you know, they circle, like, different. And then at that time... You, um, the, the nurse that was there was assigned as like your assistant, uh, you know, like your mediator, the one that kind of helps you get through the process. So then it's like, well, what's next? What's, what are we going to do? Let's just, let's go get this, go cut it out. Let's do whatever we got to do. So the original plan was um, surgery, mastectomy, do double mastectomy, do whatever you got to do, and then chemo. Well, then when I went to the call, I first went to a surgeon. And then I had to wait like a week before I kind of knew what the path was going to be. So now it's like, all right, so you have a path now. So, okay, all of a sudden, whatever you're doing isn't important anymore as far as you've just got to go to get this fixed. So I didn't really know. It took a week before the surgeon got back with what, and then uh, met with the oncologist, did all the blood work. That took another week. And then when the oncologist got all the blood work, she's like, here's where we are with this. And they, they've made so much progression with breast cancer, so I'm very fortunate about that. That, But she said, with where you are, we're going to go ahead and do aggressive chemo, then surgery, and then more chemo, and then radiation, because we want to get this. Yeah. And so it kind of set the path different. So I started with chemo. My first chemo... Um, Sue went with me, my mother-in-law, and, you know, we're in there and didn't know what, I I'd cut my hair all off just because, and, you know, because it was probably about like this, and I just took the scissors and went like that, and and just kind of get ready for it, and so I did my first, uh, well, and another note story is we had just lost um, my father-in-law, Jeff's dad, had died just under a year from uh, prostate cancer, and it was so late in the process that once he was diagnosed, usually that's one that they can get through. Uh, he didn't. He didn't last very long, and, and we had just lost him. And so I ended up having the same oncologist, same room where he had his treatments, same nurse. Uh, and so Sue was kind of like, "I'm going through this with you. I know how to do it. You know, I know." So it was like she's re- going right back there to where she wow. just lost her husband. 
And uh, so Anae, who was our, my nurse, who ended up being Sherry's nurse also when she started her chemo. Um, so she's in there, and they're getting, I had to get the port in, and then they're hooking you all up. And I'm like, so how many days before my hair falls out? She's like, 12. I'm like, what? I wasn't expecting that answer. And she's like, yeah, it's pretty much 12. With what you're, the, the strong doses that we're giving you, you you'll, you'll notice it pretty much right away. And, um, and it did. It went long, and it was kind of just came out in patches. And then, you know, what do you do? Shave your head. So um, it was, it, oh, and the first chemo, we were going to leave, and I couldn't catch my breath. So we went back up, and they sent me down to the emergency room. I was there probably another three or four hours. I had a reaction to one of the chemo drugs. So then we had to reset the process. We had to take one drug away, add a couple more. So it was a long process, um, probably a year of chemo, and then they did the surgery, which didn't have to have the mastectomy because her path, my oncologist's path was like, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into this thing, and I'm like, do whatever you got to do, I'm, I'm there. So they had to remove um, 18 lymph nodes and and the lump and then part partial area, and. Um, that all went well. Like, I don't have any feeling on this arm, yeah. and I have a hard time moving, you know, like getting it back, yeah. but I haven't had to have wear those arm sleeves at this point. Um, so then we did the, removed the lump, did the whole process of draining it and all that, and then uh, I went back to chemo, and then it was getting close to the end of, of chemo. That was probably another six months of chemo, and um, then we are getting ready to start radiation, and that's when um, Ray and Aaron Everham approached me about remodeling there. Uh, you know, Kelly Earnhardt did a lot for me with the GoFundMe. The, I mean, your life just stops. And then you're like, and then they tell you, you know, just take a shoebox. And because, you know, stress only makes it worse. So just put your bills in the, in the shoebox. Do not worry about them. We'll, we'll, get, we'll go through them. We'll figure it all out. And... Now, who's I mean, telling you this? My mother-in-law, who's, okay. who's like an accountant and, yeah. and just somebody that was there for me in the lot. And then Kelly did the GoFundMe, which, you know, out of pocket, you were probably like at 20000 That was a, with 80% insurance. I mean, it still didn't matter. You still had so much debt. And um, so I, uh, I worked throughout. Like, I still had the happy chair. We're still doing shows after my... Uh, Second chemo, I was at Metrolina. I had a booth set up and trying to... I, it, it helped me. You just had to kind of, like, be careful because my white blood count was so low that one day I got bit by some mosquitoes on my ankle, and my, my foot must have swelled up that big. It oh, had wow. just a reaction. Yeah. And everything, like, you would get a little scratch or cut, and you'd have marks all over, bruises, and, you know, you're just... You were weak, so you had to listen to your body, but... And there were days that I didn't feel good. And, you know, I'd just try to get from the bed to the bathtub and the Epsom salt bath and then make it back to the bed. And you were always cold because you were, didn't have any hair. And I was, you know, I'd sleep in the little hats. And, but I still, like, tried to keep going as much as I could. And then um, Ray and Aaron met with me, and I, I'm like, I'm done with chemo. And, and they knew. I had went to one of the catwalks. I have done all the catwalks from the last 10 years for Catwalk for a Cause for Truex Foundation. And one of them, that's when Danica had come in. I, I actually went bald. I, and I was, like, that confident. It was, it was a big deal. A lot of people questioned, like, why would you do that? Well, it's who I am. And, and wigs itched. It was not comfortable, and it <laughs> yeah. was hot. And so I was kind of like, hey, this is, this is where I am. And uh, anyway, Ray and Aaron had uh, approached me, and it was a Amelia Island uh, condo they had just bought, and they wanted to remodel it. So I got with my um, got my oncologist, and we got, were able to get my radiation transferred to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. So I'm on a mission now. It's like I'm ready. So I uh, went. I had to go create. I had to like bid the job and find the contractor and get everything. One day I'd go pick out the lighting and all the stuff. And But for 28 days, I would get on the ferry and go over to the Mayo Clinic and and uh, go to go to radiation. 
and then come back. And that, that was, that's when I started having fun with wigs. I went to like a flea market in uh, Florida, <laughs> in Jacksonville, one of yeah. those, you know, right off the highway. Yeah. And there was this whole booth of like, I wouldn't call them stripper root wigs, but you know, where you go by the, not, not the great wigs. Yeah. And uh, so I'd bought one that was for long and I put little pigtails. And <laughs> so I'd, I would, uh, they, they always made uh, fun of me at the radiation because they'd be like, we never know what you're going to look like when you come in. <laughs> but then my hair started growing back. And it was so funny because it grew back. I blame it on how many times I guess I colored my hair throughout the years. But it came back like there was a blonde circle right here. And then it was kind of red. And then it was dark in the back. And then a little bit of gray, salt and pepper. And I had one lady walk up to me on in a, uh, outside of a million and be like, God, I love your hair. How did you? It's so artsy. And I'm like, well, it just kind of grew back that way. I said, I blame it on all the color. I that's not gave. funny, but yeah. it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, um, I'll tell you, that helped me so much because I did that job. You know, there were, there were a few days where I didn't feel so good. And they, they were so grateful to really work with me and understand that. And I was still totally able to remodel this place. And I even bought a lot of furniture here and got a box truck, had, took it down, unloaded, put it all together. I mean, yeah. I did everything from ripping out the kitchen to everything, floors, walls, and totally redid it and totally furnished it. And they came in to see it for the first time, and it was... Candles were lit, ready to go. <laughs> and they still have it today. They still love it. So how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, I had a couple little scares uh, a couple years ago. Uh, felt the same thing, you know, same spot, same way. I went to my doctor, which I am due to go to my doctor. I do need to get back there. But Yes, um, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. My, my Sue, my mother-in-law has been like, have you called Dr. Mercer yet? Have you I'm like, oh, I will. <laughs> Um, I've, I'm, I've got six years. I had to take a, the, I call it the cancer pill that helps kind of your bones. You have a lot, you have to do bone tests and all that. Cause it really weakens your bones. Now are you chemo. considered cancer free or in remission? No, I'm not. Or? I'm can I'm considered cancer free. Okay. All right. Well, when I had that and they did that thing again, the diagnostic and, uh, it was fatty tissue. There was a, an yeah, area yeah, there, yeah, but yeah. it was not, um, benign. What was it like to hear those words? Oh, great. But you, you know, you kind of get yourself ready. It's, I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. You know, and I have some friends that are, go, are going through things like Sherry, um, which is her cancer is totally different in a, in a different way. But boy, if somebody can give you a, a look of reality that's uh, the brighter side, even though you, your side's not very bright, but you're, you're, you, she has changed cancer treatment in ovarian cancer for so many women. She has, she has knocked doors down with the, the Levine, the cancer center there that's under her name. Just all, everything that she's done. And, and then Robin, another friend of mine, is going through, which hers is a different type also, a stomach cancer. And she's, she's on her second or third round of chemo. And it's, it's, it's tough. So when race fans... <clears throat> go through a set of old Max Race cards or Trax cards yeah. or whatever you're on, and they see your picture and they see your card, what would you like for them to think of when they see that name, Shauna Robinson? She, she was good. She was great. If she only would have had better equipment, I think that girl would, would have gone all the way, uh, would have been the one. And that's what my, that's what my sight was, you know, to be in, be in the highest level and, and, and be full-time and be competitive. That's what I wanted. And I think that I, I do have a lot of great, great fans. And I really didn't even realize that until when I, uh, Facebook kind of just came out and a friend of mine was like, you need to get Happy Chair out there. You need to start marketing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Computer technology. So she set up um, a Facebook page for me. Well, next thing you know, I've got 5,000 friends. And uh, it's, all race, it's all racing people. And they were like, oh, my God, when are you going to get back out there? Just so much support. And I still get, every day, I still get fan mail. I still get cards to sign and great little notes. And, and I always sign them, and then I'll write on a separate piece of paper, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, and, of course, I don't have the pile that all the drivers of today have, but I still have some. And I'm, I just think it's so cool. It warms my heart to just know that I still get that. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm pretty lucky. Because a lot of times now, I think when you go to the track, there's a lot smaller pool of people you run into that remember you or yeah. that were there yeah. then. Yeah. You know, and those people remember you. And I think I had a lot of respect with a lot of the crew members and a lot of the uh, teams in the days. And now it's just so different. It's so young. But um, a lot of people don't don't know the history there. So... Um, well, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. I call it the vintage years. You know, I always love vintage everything, vintage yeah. clothes, vintage fabric. So I fit right in with that. Um, I did want to follow up when we were talking about the treatment and all that. After, um, I think it was a year later, Tanner was 19. So he's just at five years now. My son... Um, was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yes, at 19. And um, he had to, he, his chemo started immediately and it was very fast. Like he did, it wasn't the 30 days, it was like 14, but every single day and his hair fell out and um, he, he's, he's good now. They, they did surgery. Um, and we took all the precautions of in case, you know, he needed to, we did the donor, or not the donor, but the save it, save it for later thing, if in case, you know, he wasn't able to have children. But um, he, he did go through that. It was at the time he was um, gaming professionally. He was, uh, he would travel and do tournaments on, a, I think it's World of Warcraft, or I don't know which one. I'm so bad at that. But anyway, he was on teams where he, he competed, competed for money. And there was like five guys in a team, and they would travel over. And then um, so that hit him hard because he, he was at that level where he was 19, 20. That's when you really hit that, that era of being at the pro level there. And uh, so it, it knocked him off his feet for a while, and it weakened. And he's tall and thin, so... Um, it was so hard, and I didn't care. I don't care. I would have went through treatment a million more times to not see him have to go through that. But um, it's all good. He's five years now, which is, gosh, time flies. And um, so he's, he gets checked all the time, and um, he's doing good. He kind of got back into gaming again and, and traveled and was competing, and then COVID hit, and they stopped all the tournaments, of course. And now he's at um, Roush Yates, with his, working at Roush Yates Engines with uh, Jeff. Not in the same room. They'd kill each other. But <laughs> um, yesterday, I had to take him to uh, have an EEG done. So he has, enough, right now, got about 40 wires hooked up to his brain because he's had four seizures in, like, the last two months, and we don't know what's causing it. So... He has to wear this till he gets it off on Friday. So they did the uh, first scan that was an hour. They do it right in the office. And then this one's a 72-hour. So he has to wear it for the three days, and then he goes back, and then the, then the neurologist will review. But we just he can't drive right now. I mean, oh. it's like he can't drive, so he's got to he, – he's between here, my house, Jeff's house, his grandma's house, and he can't drive, he can't swim, because we just don't know. I mean – he had the last seizure, we had one after that, but one was at work, they had to call an ambulance, and he was literally just at his desk, and he just fell over, and we just don't know what it is. That's what's so frustrating, and it's almost like you want him to maybe have, even if it's in his sleep, or he had one in his sleep, and didn't know it till he kind of got up, and the whole inside of his mouth was chewed up. So it's almost like you want him to have maybe somewhat of a, of a, Activity while he's monitored, so they yeah, can figure yeah, out yeah, what's yeah. causing it. Yeah. Because the the reports aren't really showing anything, and it's not epilepsy. We know that it's not diabetes. We've, they've done all the blood work and all the tests, so we're going to get it figured out. They'll be back to it. Because you were a race car driver for so long, a competitor, when you went through what you went through, and now what your son is going through. Does that competitive desire come back in the sense that, you know what, I'm going to beat this? Um, I think as a mother, it's just different. Like, I am competitive, yeah, and I'm going to break doors down. And, yeah, I'm angry why 
but it's more just I feel so like I just want to fix it. I just want to want him to. Well, we all do. It's like what's causing this, and and but it's more of the heartbreak than yeah. it is the competitiveness yeah, yeah. with him. It's more yeah. the heartbreak yeah. of just. You don't give up, and with him, it's like you're totally positive, and we're going to fi- get this figured out. You know, one way or another, we're going to get it figured out, but it it's just breaks my heart. Right. Anything else? What I'm doing now, I'm decorating. I'm not doing the chair thing anymore. Okay. Uh, I am doing um, pretty much decorating full-time. Um, right now, I'm working on a new build, Worth Everham. Uh, I just did a, a – they sold their house so quickly that they had to uh, get a place to live for the build, which is going to take about a year, year and a half. So uh, they bought a townhouse in Davidson, and I went in there and furnished the whole thing and put it all together for them so they could get moved in in about seven days, not even that, five days. <laughs> Got that done, and then um, I'm working on a new build right here off Williamson. And, um, and I've got, I still do stuff for Sherry all the time with, uh, did the motor coach before it went went off, and um, at uh, Pappas, uh I've I've been really lucky that I have really good clients, and then the second this other new build is a new person that isn't in racing. Yeah. But um, I'm fortunate to have an opportunity to work for a builder and um, select things. So, I'm, it's COVID was a little sad and slow and uh, for all of us, but then um, I'm starting to get busy again. So. That's good. So that's where I'm. I did Hoptown. We are here at Hoptown. <laughs> yeah. Everything you see here, we picked out. I worked along with Sandy, but I mean, every single thing, every lighting, every everything you see here, I was part of. It's pretty cool. And I think that it's a great place. Steve, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of thought long and hard about how I was going to approach a subject with you. And I'm not sure if we've ever discussed it before, but Steve, when were you first diagnosed with cancer and what kind of symptoms had you been experiencing leading up to that? Well, it was about 10 years ago, uh, Rick, and the symptoms were pretty simple. I woke up one morning and there was a lump on my throat, almost the size of a baseball. And it really, really scared me. It cropped up overnight? Overnight. Just like that. You're joking. That's, I didn't have any idea what was going on. But I ended up at the doctor, and uh, he told me what it was. And he said, we're going to have to do a biopsy to make sure I'm right. But I think that's what it is. And after the biopsy, he told me, yep, that's what it is. You have a form of throat cancer. But he was very encouraging. He said, this is curable. This is very curable. Don't worry about it. Do your best. And so I started my treatments right after that. And it took me quite a while to get through it all. When were you diagnosed? When was that? About 2011. In, uh, yeah, 2011 in, uh, uh, in February 2011. Steve, is there any way to put into words what it, that moment was like when you heard that C word? Well, Rick, I was scared, but I was also very encouraged by the doctor. The doctor was telling me that it was curable and I shouldn't worry about it too much. And he told me the treatments I would go through. And one of the things he said was, you're going to have the worst sore throat of your life. Believe me. He said, but you will get over that. As the treatments kill the cells, unfortunately, they kill your good cells as well. And here's what's going to happen when the treatment is over. You're going to have half your saliva glands are going to be gone. So swallowing is going to be a little bit more difficult than it used to be. That's for sure. Now, you may get some of them back and return almost to normal, but it's not likely that you ever have them all back. So well, I can live with that, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you in treatment? Rick, I was in treatment for seven weeks. I took five radiation treatments a week for seven weeks, 35. And that's followed up by five chemo sessions. Now, the radiation wasn't bad at all. As a matter of fact, I drove to the hospital, had my treatments, and drove back home. I wasn't incapacitated in any way until the last week of treatments. Wow. 
tell you, Rick, my throat was so sore. I couldn't do anything but drink a liquid diet. And I couldn't even do that. Before my treatments, they had, they had actually placed a hole in my stomach. And they said, you're going to need this, believe it or not. <laughs> so I had to drink my meals. And the way I did that, Rick, was to pour Ensure into that hole in my stomach. That's how I could feed myself. For the last week, for the first six weeks, no problem. But that last week, whoo, that was a real painful experience. After I finished my treatments, so I can tell you some side effects I had immediately. I didn't lose my hair, but I lost all my facial hair. I no longer had a beard. And even today, yeah. I wear a goatee. That's the bit. That's all I can do. I, I can't grow any hair on my face. Really? It's gone. It is gone. And uh, kind of strange, but that's yeah. the way it happened. I do have the loss of the saliva glands, Rick. So I do have a dry throat every now and then. And somewhat, sometimes it's kind of difficult to swallow. So I have to be very careful about that. And uh, I lost a tremendous amount of weight. I went from 164 pounds to 124 pounds. And my doctor, I thought he was going to have apoplexy. He said, I knew you were going to lose weight, but not like this. He said, I want you to start and eat everything. You can eat anything <laughs> you want and plenty of it. Well, I've kept most of that weight off. You know, I'm really back about 145 right now. And that's pretty much where I'm comfortable. Other than that, Rick, there is one side effect. I think you've recognized it. Uh, my sense of balance is not the best. Yeah. Doctor said that has to do with the fact that when you lost all that weight, you lost a lot of muscle mass in your legs and in your hips. Yeah. And that's got to come back in some way. Well, I went to physical therapy and I try to work out as much as I can and it's come back a lot. I'm not as bad as I used to be. There was a time, Rick, and you're not going to believe this. There was a time when I actually fell to the floor and I couldn't get back up. I had to crawl to the couch, grab hold of the couch, pull myself onto the couch and as far as I could go. And I went to the hospital by way of an ambulance from there because I just not, could not get up and walk. Well, that passed as I gained more mus muscles in my, in my legs. And fortunately, today, it's not nearly as pronounced as it used to be. I remember on the podcast a couple of years ago, you mentioned the fact that you got a lot of support from the racing community, especially from Jeff Gordon. You told a story about Jeff kind of taking you aside and, and asking you how you were doing. Yeah. And and that meaning a lot to you. But who were some of the other people in the sport that really stood by you through all of that? Rick, there were so many I I can hardly keep count of them. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Uh after it was all over, I posted on Facebook that after my treatments my cancer was gone. I was cancer-free. That was the first. Anybody in raising heard about it. I never said a word during the treatment. I got over 1,000 responses. Did you really? I, people I knew, people I didn't know. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I was, I was very moved. Very moved. That's incredible, man. So you're okay today. You're still cancer free. Everything's good to go. We're going to be doing this podcast for a million more years, right? Yes, right. I'm good to go. And I do want to say that everybody who responded so kindly to me all those years ago, I know who you are. I know where you are. And I appreciate everything you did for me. I really, really do. Steve, I have never had cancer myself. Thank God. I have never had cancer myself, but I lost my mom to breast cancer in 1989 and Steve, she was just 47 years old. I was 22 when she died. My brother was still in high school when she passed away. And then my dad died of lung cancer in 2008 and he had never smoked, but he had picked it up from the agent orange that he encountered in Vietnam. My dad's name is not on the Vietnam war memorial. In Washington, but I do very firmly believe that he was a casualty of that war. I agree with you completely, Rick. 
my dad died on August 30th, 2008. And the most recent time that I saw my son, Richard, from my first marriage was just a few days later on September the 2nd, 2008. Steve, my mom died on September the 6th, 1989. And we came home from her funeral on my birthday, which just so happens to be 9-11. Oh, boy. So, you know, there are a lot of not so great anniversaries that are stacked right there on top of each other, August 30th, September 2nd, September 6th, and then 9-11. And this year will be the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. So that's going to be everywhere. Every year, every year, I catch myself kind of getting in a funk somewhere around the middle of August. Well, after all you have just said, I can understand that, Rick. Yeah. It's just something that you deal with on September the 12th, honest goodness, September the 12th, that goes away. So about the middle of August, eh, we better move on, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But the thing about Shauna's story that blew me away was that her ex mother-in-law, Sue Clark, who's the mother of Jeff Clark, her former husband was this huge help to her, Steve. Mm-hmm. And did you catch what I said? Her ex, yeah. <laughs> her ex mother-in-law. Now I have an ex mother-in-law and let's just say that we weren't exactly, well, let's see, what's the best way to put this? Uh, um, okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> understand completely. (laughs) But Steve, that's one of the things that blew me away. That absolutely blew me away about Shauna's story in particular was the fact that her ex-mother-in-law was so firmly in her corner. I don't know what kind of relationship they had before. I don't know what kind of relationship they have now, but the fact that Sue was in her corner through all this, that is absolutely extraordinary. Now, the other part of that story was when Shauna was diagnosed, it was less than a year after Sue's husband and her ex-father-in-law had died due to prostate cancer. And so Shauna had the same oncologist and did her chemo in the same room as her ex-father-in-law and Sue was still by her side. That's remarkable, Rick, and it shows you that relationships can be built despite adversity. As big a hero as Shawnee is in this story, I've never met Sue Clark. Don't know that I ever will. But she is as big a hero in this story as Shawnee is. I really got to feel that way. I think I do agree with you, Rick. Like so many people who go through what Shawnee went through, she had this incredible support system behind her. And you mentioned the support system that you had and all the encouragement that you got from the Facebook community, the NASCAR community, there was Sue Clark. Kelly Earnhardt started a GoFundMe for Shauna because, you know, when you go through something like that, you're going to take a hit financially with all the bills and everything. So Kelly Earnhardt, Kelly Earnhardt Miller started a GoFundMe for Shauna to help her through that. And Steve Ray and Aaron Evernham had Shauna remodel their condo on Amelia Island in Florida. And Shauna had her radiation treatments changed from Charlotte to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. So she went through treatments in Florida, but at the same time, it gave her something to focus on during those treatments. And from what she said in the interview, that was a busy time. I mean, buying all the furniture and rearranging all the furniture and painting and tearing and, you know, doing whatever that gave her something to focus on. It obviously took her mind away from the, the treatment she was having to endure. She was awful busy. Sounds like to me working for Ray and Aaron. And I think that was a real good thing. Steve, she also mentioned Sherry Pollux, whose battle with ovarian cancer has been so well documented. And she also mentioned Robin Richard, who is Doug Richard's wife, who is now battling stomach cancer. I would assume that there's strength in numbers when it comes to that kind of thing. Somebody who's going through the same thing that you've been through, encouragement, support. So 
yeah, that was a big help to her. And to me as well. But I agree with you, Rick. When you have this disease, all the help and encouragement that you can receive is so welcome and really so needed. Here's the kicker to this story. The absolute kicker to the entire story. After Shauna went through all her treatments, her 19-year-old son, Tanner, was diagnosed with testicular cancer. I did not know that. And Steve, on my life, I routinely pray that if anything bad ever happens to my family, let it happen to me. Because I don't know that I could bear to watch Richard or Adam or Jesse or Jeannie go through something like that. You know, bring it on. <laughs> let me have it, but leave them out of it. So for Tanner to go through that, I cannot imagine. Well, I can't imagine what it was like to go through what she went through personally, but then to watch her son go through something very similar. Oh, I know how you yeah. feel, Rick. Bring it on as well. I've told people repeatedly, you know, they've asked me, how did you lose all that weight? And I've answered to them, I went on a diet that I would not recommend <laughs> to my worst enemy. Steve, <laughs> I think my weight loss journey is, has been well documented on this podcast and on social media. I don't want to lose weight that way. And I mean that, man. I, no. Yeah, we can I laugh and joke about it. But yeah, um, I believe I'll just stay gravitationally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it by any means. So Tanner is now five years past his cancer diagnosis, and he's working with his dad, Jeff, at Roush Yates Engines. But he's now got some health stuff going on now that they're trying to get figured out with some seizures or whatever. Five years is a magic number. They say if you get through five years and the cancer doesn't return, you've won the battle. And I never had a happier day than when my doctor told me, well, five years and you've checked out. I said, thanks, doc. He said, all right, just walk out. Don't go to the front desk and get another appointment. Nothing. Just leave and good luck. <laughs> Did you knock the door down? <laughs> <laughs> I was floating, man. Floating. <laughs> Steve, something I wanted to do this week is to honor those who have fought or are fighting right now cancer and to remember those that we've lost to that terrible disease. And I reached out on Twitter and said that if any of our followers or somebody close to them had been impacted by cancer to let me know and we'd pay tribute at the end of this week's episode. And as you and I were just discussing a minute ago, I honestly thought that we might get a few, but the response was just, well, it was incredible, but it was also heartbreaking to know just how many people have gone through this battle that Shauna has gone through and what you have gone through. So many people have fought cancer and we've lost so many people to it. Steve, this is certainly not a comprehensive list, but I just wanted to do something to honor and remember those in our little scene vault podcast community who have experienced the highs and lows in dealing with that disease in any of its forms. So listeners join us as we honor those who are battling that disease. Now in honor of Shauna Robinson, Jeannie Houston, Steve Wade, Tanner Clark, Christy Bostick, Jennifer Eastell, Sherry Pollitz, Robin Richard, Holly Kane, Mark Hayes, Craig Smithers, Carl Shore, Cindy Bauer, Curtis Oots, Tim Tucker, Hope Nixon, Tabitha Burton, Danielle Kist, Rick Hendrick, Diane Sparks, Ian Gauger, Edward Loggins, Ann Mickle, Tom Pearson, Robin Miller, Rosalind Sloop, Arlena Aragon, 
Keith Wang, Leanne Whittle, Heather Whitehead, Karen Felthausen, Lee Wallace, Barry Wagoner, Kent Wagoner, Chasey Messick, Keitha Sanders. In memory of Betty Houston, Sydney Houston, Melissa Adams, Ken Knight, Joe Atkins, Jim Hunter, Bob Jenkins, Ken Patterson, Donna Freisman, Bob Moore, Steve Burns. Tim Flock, Bobby Hamilton, John Andretti, Buddy Baker, Danny Parsons, Andrew Hatchett Jr., Elizabeth Warren, Ott Livengood, Chrissy Spencer, Robert Peterson, Jim Lancaster, Marcy Scott, Jerry Wells, Casey Elliott, Michael R. Rankin, Richard Phillips, Barbara Wilson, Alfred Connor, Robert Yates, Jim Stewart, Doris Sissy Johnson, Joanna Miller Whitemire, Yvonne Morris, Barbara Kirk, Virginia Howell, Judy Hall, Roger Buster Deal, Sarah Ann Martin, Robert Piper Sr., Linda Ashley, Barbara Norris, Paul Woodward, Buddy Robinson, Brenda Jackson, Chip Warren, Claire Bartholomew, Tuffy Nelson, Joanne Nelson, Winona Rosser, Jonathan Herbert, Joyce Kinch, Valerie Lewis, Yvonne Weigelman, Dorothy Perry, Danny Gamble, Tom Overton, Dolores Evans, Emery Marlowe, Richard Mace, Lynn Worth.